0: We are recording. Hey guys, welcome to American Hard podcast number 12. I'm here with Drew Kirby. This is Will Presson. It's almost 2020.
1: Ooh, it's hard to believe. We uh, I just looked back. We did our last podcast, 11, on November 12th. So before Thanksgiving, I think we were doing a little preview of an event. We were putting on called the Deadfall, and that's come and gone that was the weekend of uh after thanksgiving
0: yeah and it's today is december 16th so we're about nine days away from christmas uh, everybody's getting ready to either head out of town or have family come in town uh, and, and actually there's it seems like there's been a lot of events these last couple
1: weeks yeah it's, it's like the season and you know all the ama stuff's kind of wrapping up and a lot of little local events are popping up we had some uh, so we're going to get into, I guess, what's been going on the last few weeks, recent event-wise.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about Deadfall. Um, it was an event that the American Hard Enduro guys, um, Devin Ferguson, we kind of put on, you know kind of off the um, books, so to say, um, over at Windrock Park. 73,000 acres. We're all kind of getting into this GPS thing, trying to figure it out. So what we did, we set up seven waypoints across the park and um, we gave riders six hours to try to make it to each of the waypoints, get a photo of them and their teammates, so it was two-person teams, yep. and then get back to the uh, the starting point within six hours.
1: Well, and it turned out to rain anywhere <laughs> from four to ten inches, depending on who you talk to. I think but, it was more like three feet. Yeah, uh, the night before, but all, all I know is I was sleeping in the, the sprinter van, and it rained all night, and I could hear the river running, and... and we actually had so much rain. The road was flooded, like, just getting to the trails. Uh, we had to change a couple of the check locations, and uh, and it was gnarly. And, and so the only team – well, there was two teams that got all well, seven tests. Slow down just a little oh, bit. Sorry. So at
0: the very beginning, um, I basically headed to the furthest checkpoint um, because we knew that um, Jordan Ashburn and his teammate were headed there first, so I wanted to get some good – Footage of of what was going down there, so they were the first team there, and literally the the normal trail is is a it's a it's a trail, I mean, it's not a really defined trail. However, um, it was a river that day. I mean, it, so everybody had to get very creative on the, how to get to this, you know, the checkpoint at the grotto, um, and it it ended with uh, well. It's kind of, we have something called Volkswagen Rock. So the waypoint you had to get to was on top of Volkswagen Rock. So if you've seen any of the footage, you see a lot of carnage going on there.
1: Yeah, it was, um, I wasn't there. I had to leave and go do some stuff. And I got back to see some of the tail end, but some of the video. We, uh, we just put the teaser out earlier this week. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. Um, but no, it was a really good event. Everyone came back with smiles on their face. You know, we had some guys drown their bikes out. There were some raging Usually creeks, but I think they're more like rivers, uh, based on some of the photos we've seen.
0: Yeah, and and two teams actually made it to all seven of the waypoints. um, And the first team was Hunter Williams and Chuck DeLula. No, 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 no. Baby and Gramps. Sorry, Baby and Gramps. They made it, um, they they got back in about six hours and 34 minutes. So they were 34 minutes late.
1: Oh, and They 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 put in a real good effort. Hunter spent a lot of time the night before planning the route, getting everything lined up, and Chuck was there for moral support and to get the bikes to the point, I think. <laughs> yeah. joking, joking, of course. Yeah, and,
0: and those guys, I mean, like Drew was saying, I mean, there were guys staying up till like 2 in the morning um, trying to figure out the best route to make it to all seven of these
1: waypoints, yep. and, and really a lot of planning went into it, and, and that was a big part. Well, and then the other team that got to all seven checks and got back, I think they were about thirty minutes after Hunter and Chuck was Quinn and his team name Greg Nolf. Uh Yeah, okay, go ahead. They
0: were grand Finale, Quinn Winslow, Greg Greg Nolf, Team name was Grand Finale, so they made
1: it to all seven, and then they got back what another half an hour. Yeah, behind Hunter and them, and they still had smiles on their face. Quinn Quinn was great telling a story about wading through chest deep water to uh, tear the the page out of the book he needed. Uh, he needed to get so yeah and,
0: and bo- i've heard both quinn and jordan ashburn say not only it was the sketchiest thing they ever done on a dirt bike but possibly the sketchiest thing that ever done
1: yeah it was it, and it was probably the highlight for me of the whole weekend was we spent we rode saturday with jordan ashburn on a 2000 model kdx 200 and it was um to watch him rip up some hills and this thing was didn't have a knobby tire it was a standard i think it was a bridgestone hard knobby no gummy (laughs) it was impressive to say the least
0: that i didn't know a 200 kdx could sing like that on the pipe it It, was impressive
1: yeah so all right so that was the deadfall look uh maybe a re i guess a rerun of it in the deadfall two coming this spring maybe if we can get everything together
0: hopefully it'll happen within the next 12 months
1: I like that, 12 months. All right, so then what else was going on? I know we had some other stuff. Yeah,
0: Red Bull Override. Um, down, Mark Cook and those guys down in Texas at Rocky Ridge Ranch. They put on a also a six-hour yep. event. This one went into the night. Um, Manny Beckler, he showed up, and, and no surprise there. I think he kind of dominated. Yep. I, I, do you know the other the podium finishers there?
1: Uh, second place, I did not know this guy. It was Benjamin Herrera. Where's he from? Um, I don't know. He's on a beta and he's not from here.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I know that. (laughs) He's not
0: from Tennessee or he's not from the United States? Uh, The United
1: States. Okay. And then third place was uh, Tristan Hart out of Canada. So no one in the top three. Oh, wow. America. So come on now. And it looked like so we were, there was some live scoring, which was great. Mark always tries to provide live scoring. And again, being in Tennessee, we were trying to keep up with it. And there was a big shakeup kind of in the last couple hours from what I was watching live scoring wise. And I still haven't talked to anyone to get exactly what, what happened or the shakeup. Um, but, and I'm pulling, I'm trying to pull up the, uh, final results as we speak.
0: I haven't seen like the full on, like full blown Red Bull recap of that one, but I imagine there'll be some really good stuff coming out in the near future on that race.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and so we've had some other local to us stuff. Yeah. Uh...
0: So I guess last weekend there was a race called dirty Santa down in Alabama. Um, I think it's SXS or
1: S E C C Okay, maybe? I missed that. Yeah, SECCA. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But anyways, um, Ashburn on a different Kawasaki two-stroke. Yes. Um, vintage 2010.
1: It was it was an aluminum frame with a KX 250 motor in it, and apparently he borrowed it from a buddy's buddy. We thought he was going to show up on the KDX. Um, showed up on that. I, I think I saw a picture. Didn't even have his name and numbers on it. Of course. But he was on a Kawasaki. Okay, so he won, and then
0: um, Russell Bobbitt, he's he's coming over from doing the Gnarly Roots and the National yep. Enduro thing. The dude can ride anything, apparently. Yes. Uh, Russell, come ride with us. What's going on?
1: Well, and so he got second place, and uh, third place went to Chuck DeLula. Gramps. the a- The Ageless <laughs> Wonder. and um, And Chuck actually said... He was, he was in second for a lot of the race, and Bobbitt caught, caught him at the end. Um, but looking at some of Bobbitt's social media stuff, he did not have a fan on the bike. I saw a mm. couple pictures of that thing boiling over, steaming. Um, but the most interesting thing, and I hadn't talked to Will about this, he put a picture of his rear tire, and he was running the Michelin FIM... Hard Enduro tire that, Wade, that we got a hold of Wade Young's when he was here and got to feel on and squeeze on, and yeah. a very sticky tire. Okay. Um, so maybe we're getting those things stateside. We haven't heard that officially, but maybe we need to talk to Russell and uh, see what's going on.
0: Cool. Yeah, um, so other than those two events, there was the Grinduro 4 down at Cole Kirkpatrick's uh, place in yep. Texas.
1: Yep, that ended yesterday. It was actually this past weekend. Dirty Santa was two weekends ago.
0: Yeah, so... Obviously, Cole and Russell and, I guess, Brian Pierce did the yep. emceeing and filming. And, and I've seen a little bit from him. Yep. I know Jackson Davis was down there, the young kid on the Sherco. or No? I no don't Jackson? think he
1: was there. I think, so, this used to be kind of an open thing where you had to sign up in a hurry. And I don't know if it's invite only now. I never okay. saw it. But it filled up real quick last year. And um, they always have a couple special... Um, stars that come. And this year I saw Andrew Short was there. Nice. And then I think Ben Kelly. Um, I know all the KTM guys were doing their... I thought I saw a picture yeah, of Ben in their, street clothes. Yeah, in their photo shoot. So, really cool event. Um, it's down on the Kirkpatrick Ranch in Post, Texas. East No, West, Texas, which they've got some hills.
0: Yeah. So, and I guess Cody wasn't there because Cody was at his Ride with Web event, which we're yeah. going to talk a little bit more here in a second. Uh, but we'll talk about the last event that happened this past weekend was called Battle of the Pipes. And this took it a took place at a um, I guess a trials venue down in Alabama. Yeah.
1: Holly Tree off-road.
0: Not a whole lot of people attended, but kinda of note was uh Mr. Pat Smagé. Is and that what, how you say it? Or Pat
1: Smage? Pat Smage And what was he riding was what was most notable. He
0: was riding an enduro bike.
1: Yep. And like, so it was a it's a battle of the pipes. So it was between trials bikes and big enduro bikes. And it was like a 15 mile loop, but it also had some observed trial sections within that loop. And so it was scored on time and how many dabs you had within they, the trial section. They
0: added the dabs to your time. A minute per dab. Yep. And and I saw where Pat like had zero dabs or maybe twelve or something. I, I think
1: he had thirteen. There was one one <laughs> uh, section he had six dabs, but he cleaned a couple of them. Yeah. And the guy who got second place was actually on a trials bike, which was pretty darn I, impressive. I think second and third. Uh, Troy was third. He was on big Okay.
0: Well, I I saw some different results that showed Troy Robertson fourth, so we'll have to clarify uh, next time we talk to Troy.
1: But maybe this is a sign of things to come for uh, what we might be seeing Pat on, hopefully. And
0: and not not exactly related, but Pat's brother, Phil, um, we had posted a schedule on the American Hard Enduro Facebook page, and Phil had commented that he was psyched to see the Mad Moose come back to Michigan. It's the only Hard Enduro he's ever done. And he said on there that he's planning on riding it this year. So that would be huge. That Because, I mean, that guy has been through a lot. Um, Obviously, most people probably know that he was badly injured jumping the world record side-by-side distance. I guess it's been nearly two years now, or somewhere around there. Yeah, it's
1: been a year, year and a half. It was in September. Okay,
0: anyways, he's a Nitro Circus guy. So regardless, to have him coming to our events... I say our very loosely. Let's just say Enduros that are taking place. Hard Enduros. Extreme Off-Road, Extreme Enduro, whatever you want to call it, events that are taking place in this country.
1: Would be awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, and he needs to bring his friend Travis Pastrana and and get this thing really exposed.
1: Would also be awesome. So we'll get into more of what's going on in 2020 here in a minute.
0: Yep. So going back, talking about this Ride with Webb weekend, Which took place in Arizona this past weekend. I guess Cody got with Wayne Dickert. No, Cody
1: got with Ready to Ride Rentals, who's been providing rental bikes at Revlimiter, TKO. Um, I think it's a guy named Bo that runs it, based out of Arizona. Okay. And I may be wrong about this, but so I think Bo approached Cody about doing this back when he was even injured. Right. Um, And so he kind of set a time frame on when he thought he'd be back. He had to just guess. Yep. And uh, luckily he was healed up, hadn't been on a bike long, which I think kind of worked out, and that way he was... You know, not real eager to just go hammer some stuff and could actually teach these guys. I think there was eight to ten guys that showed up and uh, did it this weekend.
0: Yeah, so in the meantime, um, we've had a, we'll call him a friend, from Ohio, Alan Butler, who's been helping us out with our website quite a bit. So Alan was like, hey, I'm going to the Ride With Web thing in Arizona. Do you guys want me to do an interview um, if, if it's available? So, Alan has has given us his interview from this weekend. He's he's got 17 minutes of really good stuff. So, uh, we'll play that for you guys right about now.
1: Since this is
2: going to be about the event, you know, what were your first impressions when uh, Ready to Write Rentals engaged you on this idea?
3: Yeah, so obviously I was actually hurt at the time and didn't know when we could find the time to make it happen. So uh, I was definitely interested in it. I want to do something like it just because I, I think it's fun and kind of all about promoting what I do because it's different. And I find enjoyment in it. So if someone else enjoys it too, then yeah, we might as well have fun together. So Bo asked if I was interested. And it was just a matter of kind of finding out the right time to make it happen. And I kind of guesstimated it when I'd be able to ride again. And yeah. it worked out have you done anything like this before I kind of have I went and visited Israel and did some training schools and we did like a big long tour ride day but I basically was just uh, overused and there's like 20 people a day different (laughs) people every day I feel like it was like hard to really like connect and help people personally and with this like you know we're not doing a bunch of training but at the same time there's definitely people getting more confident and comfortable with what they're doing so yeah um you know this is my first time doing something really like this and it's it's been working out pretty well i think
2: yeah i agree so what was your first impression with the group right after the first time getting out there
3: uh my first impression right off the bat was like oh shit we are in for some trouble because (laughs) bo takes us down the road for like two minutes and okay nice little warm-up road kind of along this creek and the water is deep so you know we a little bit of extreme stuff there and then he just takes us right off the bat into probably the worst canning we could have like (laughs) warmed up in and it caught me off guard and i think it caught everyone else off guard so (laughs) once we struggled up that first bit um then i was able to like let things kind of roll out and it went pretty well so uh at first i was like oh no we're screwed but it ended up working out pretty well once we pulled each other up the first bit yeah were you Considering the size
2: and the varying skill level of the group, you know, were you happy at the pace and kind of how everybody did? Or
3: Yeah, it's kind of every time you go on a group ride, like some people will go out in front or, you know, you always have one person in the group that wants to be a show-off and do everything first. But there actually yeah. wasn't that person on this group, so I was pretty impressed by that. But, uh, you know, everyone kind of gets spread out in their own comfortability level. And honestly, I think it's been flowing pretty well. There's been stop parts where you have to wait, but it's not always just because... Um, someone's slowing us up, like someone, you know, people are tipping over and breaking parts of the bike and you got to fix it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So how did this compare to how you normally train taking the slower pace out of the equation?
3: Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to get back from my knee injury. So I'm not trying to go crazy right now and ease into it. And for me, it's been fun. You know, I'm like catching stuff, watching people do stuff and trying to encourage them and point out better lines. So I'm enjoying myself and it's definitely different than I'm used to, but yeah, it's pretty similar. A lot of stuff I'm doing. I'm just trying to hit it a lot faster and do more of it at a higher intensity level than currently. But it's uh, I think it's a good eye opener for everyone. And for me, I'm having fun with it.
2: Okay. So you kind of answered my next question a little bit. What were you able to take away personally from this
3: trip? Um, I don't know. Personally, I was able to connect with people that have the same interests that I do. And yeah, you know, most of these people, I probably never would have been able to meet them in real life or maybe at a race here and there, but yeah, it's not like we'd ever ride together. So for me, it's cool to see like amateurs or hobbyists or people that race here and there, they're just, they just kind of have this passion and yeah, matches what I want to do. So, uh, it's fun for everyone to ride together and encourage what they got going on. That's awesome. Okay.
2: So how do you think the transition of the Shirko's is going so far and do you think this trip helped you
3: acclimate a little better or? Um, yeah, so, so far, I'd only ridden, like, four or five times before coming on this trip. Oh, yeah. So, uh, on the new bike, but it's been going pretty well, and really happy with the suspension and, like, the motor characteristics for the extreme type riding. Yeah. Um, it's got incredible low-end torque that works really well for all the extreme riding, so, um i don't know I'm, I'm pretty comfortable already right off the bat and i'm staying after here for a couple of days doing some more testing and trying to get stuff okay dialed in we got some things to play with
2: all right so from your from uh from our perspective you looked amazingly natural on the shuriko so <laughs> what are some of the your your top pros for the switching to the shuriko as a professional racer
3: um you know as a professional racer you know sometimes there's the pressures of being on like a factory race team that everyone kind of, you know, you you're, you're kinda of told what to do and I yeah. kinda like that sense of freedom to be able to do things I want a little bit more. So, you know, with the Sherco team I can kinda make a decision on the races I want to do yeah. a little bit more and have a say on those types of things and then um honestly I'm pretty happy, actually really happy with just the stock setup on the suspension of that oh, yeah. uh, factory bike. I mean I just play with the clickers and I've just been riding it and I mean, we're testing next week, but I, I can I can <laughs> deal with what I got going on right now. Yeah. So, and then the, the torque on that bike, it's got, like, crazy bottom end. Like, you almost have to... I look, it so low, expecting a knock to stall, that sometimes it'll catch me off guard. So, Oh yeah. I don't know. The carb bike, for me, works really well. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite... Probably my favorite KTM I rode was the 2016 model with the key and carb. Yeah. So, for me this bike has like very similar handling characteristics to that older style ktm so not not handling but like motor yeah. characteristics are similar so for what i do with extreme riding and what i want to focus on and have fun on the bike's pretty much ideal
2: yeah that's awesome so um you plan on you want to try and do one of these again you know get granted your or given your schedule
3: yeah so i talked to bo about it and he wanted to make this like a a luxury dirt bike <laughs> extravaganza vacation yeah um it's been pretty luxury there's been some long dirt roads we had to struggle <laughs> through but you know we got a pretty nice house where we're staying at so you know i just want to we want to try to make a good first impression and hopefully do some more of these things and, yeah you know maybe Bob will start doing some of partners with some of the other racers as well and offer these opportunities and you know it's not not that often that you got people, you know, we have people from like Washington, D.C., yeah. two guys from Ohio, randomly enough, and all uh, um, the way, bottom of Florida, Yeah, some West Coast. So everyone's kind of so spread out, three Canadians. Um, so I feel like never one would ever have this opportunity. Yeah. And the dirt and uh, traction has been pretty, pretty much spot on for us. It's hard to get Arizona. I guess in the winter, it's nice here.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, is there anything you'd want to say to, like, the hard enduro community, or, I mean...
3: Um, I don't know, I just... I think it's, like, a kind of a growing trend right now, the Mm -hmm. sport of hard enduro, and, you know, I want to kind of see that, like, a continual steady growth. I don't want it to just kind of, like, blow up, like, Supermoto, and then fall on its face, and nothing's going on anymore. But, at the end of the day, I think it's just... uh, People like overcoming challenges and with hard enduro, you know, you don't have to kind of risk fifth gear wide open through the desert or something like that where, you, you know, consequences are really bad. You know, you can just go out and have fun and talk crap with your buddies and yeah. pull each other up something. So for me, it's simple and fun and yeah, you can break some stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not, I don't think it's too expensive. Maybe. I mean, the bike's expensive enough
0: already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh,
4: what do you think would help with the longevity of having hard enduro actually you know, take roots? Um, do you think there's a big difference between uh, supermoto having a competition only instead of being fun, whereas hard enduro you
3: can have fun on, the, on a weekend with your buddies? So I think right now the, the great thing about hard enduro and keeping it going is that um, before with super enduro, like you had to buy 17-inch wheels, you had to drop your suspension, you had to do all this stuff to the bike. And you can just literally buy an XCW or a stock Sherco, and the suspension's relatively soft. And every almost every tire manufacturer now sells a gummy tire. It's pretty much roughly equivalent to what um, the normal tire is. And with Supermoto, you know, you got to buy a new tire every single race because they wear out quick. And with these, yeah. you can run until they're bald, and yeah. more or less, they still work pretty well. So. For hardro, I think it's it's great with the simplicity of it compared to supermoto. It's not as much technical stuff. Just add a couple, a little bit of body armor to your bike. Yeah, and then in terms of keeping it going, like there's already quite a bit of young kids that are coming up to the ranks. Like at first, all of us were mostly like trials crossovers, like Graham Jarvis and Taddy and myself, Billy Bolt, and now you got a guy like Manuel clear who was. Uh, he never was a trials rider. He just grew up doing this stuff because his dad did it. And he's like this weird hybrid. And obviously it's working because he won West this year. So, yeah. And another thing is, I think people seeing all the videos of Graham and Billy doing just this stupid, ridiculous stuff when he's practicing. Um, there's kind of a younger generation in the States here doing it. I think there's a Jackson Davis that um, he's a Turco support rider out of Texas. Like, yeah. he's a new up and coming kid. He's only 16 years old and he's doing really well. And there's some kids. Originally from Australia, where I'm from, um, two brothers, and they race everything. But I've they've come and been going riding with me, and I couldn't believe the stuff they were going through. And there's like dudes have been riding forever, and they were just like smoking these guys on extreme stuff. And I <laughs> wow. think just because they see these other big name guys doing it, and it's kind of motivation for them. So yeah. as long as there's some type of youth involved, yeah, that makes sense. There's <laughs> something in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I agree one thousand percent. Uh, with your transition from the
4: KTM to the Husky, you've now started Shurko. using a uh, uh You've now been using uh, Linkage. How have you felt the difference in the handling characteristics from Linkage to PDS? That is a good question. Um, when I was on the KTM, I rode PDS the last few
3: years, so I never even thought about it. And the bike felt definitely really different. It felt more springy, um, which I kind of like because it was responsive to a lot of stuff. And then riding extreme stuff, I never felt myself get hung up on anything because there was nothing hanging down there. So, uh, now that I've switched to Sherco, honestly, the bike feels more planted and I'm not having as much kind of bounciness. So the handing characteristics feel really good. But for the first time just yesterday, I try not to get hung up on things, but I got stuck in this slippery creek and, uh, I notice the linkage hanging down there, and I don't have a linkage guard or anything. yeah. So uh, maybe once I put add that on, it'll help a little bit. But, you know, every time I've ridden a link bike since being on PDS, I notice it. it's not a bad thing because I feel like the bike handles better, but sometimes you can get a predicament you're stuck in a hole or something, and you can feel the uh, linkage hitting the bottom
4: there. So the, the major difference is uh, linkage... Uh, hang-up versus uh, handling. Yeah, I mean,
3: the, the PDS does work great for what it's for, but, like, you're never going to take a PDS to a motocross track and feel like, as comfortable as what the links bike are, link bikes are. Okay. And it sits up, it's the link, or the PDS actually sits up higher, because you have the, It's a lot of times, you know, people that ride uh, CDS bikes, they complain about the uh, seat height feeling feeling too tall, and that's actually because it sits up a little bit higher and you're running different sag heights and stuff like that. Yeah. To kind of get that same feel as the link bikes. Okay. I think I was running 112 millimeters of sag. Oh wow. Instead of 100, 100. And now I'm around like 102, I think. Okay, so 10 mil,
4: but it's a completely different bike, but... Um, did KTM provide you two-stroke and four-strokes? Yeah. And is Sherco willing to do the same thing? And if so, what is your preference uh, between the two or uh, track conditions? Will that decide?
3: Yeah, it's for me, pretty much depends on track conditions, but I prefer two-strokes. But, yeah, Sherco, I have that option. I don't want to ride a 450 because I think they're... Too much and not necessary for what I'm doing, so I'm sure, guys, that 300 four stroke that's kind of like a it's in between a 350 and a 250 perfectly, you know. But uh, it's a torqueier version of the 250F, so depending, I mean, I'll, I haven't ridden it yet, but I'll be testing that later in 2020 for the enduro cross season. And you know, if the tracks were kind of like when they started where it was survival, Gnarly for sure. I, I want to stay on the two-stroke because I—I don't know. It's what I grew up riding, and I prefer it. Yeah. Especially since I'm doing all the extreme stuff. It's—I'm fine with switching back and forth. But that first day, getting on the enduro cross track again, it doesn't feel normal if you're going from a two-stroke all year really with extreme stuff and then going to a uh, four-stroke for that. Yeah. But, um, you know, whatever I guess I feel comfortable with, and then it'll be interesting to see how the tracks are for next season they've been really fast and kind of like arena cross with some logs in it and it's kind of gone away from what it started as so if they bring I don't know I'll probably have to end up riding a four stroke because it's tricky to jump two strokes especially with enduro cross it has a lot of that hard pack dirt which could be pretty slick on the two stroke if you break traction so yeah the four strokes do have that really manageable power where you can just get on it out of a corner and just you know guys got that completely different torque the two stroke will hit and you'll spin and you'll do a boner air or a or a over the bars off the jump it's <laughs> a little bit harder to predict and the four yeah. strokes you can get lazy with it and we'll see it depends on what cross is like <laughs> yeah. maybe i'll show up with uh two stroke and four trip <laughs> yeah. What
4: do you think carries more weight, championship-wise, uh, or race-wise, um,
3: Enduro Cross or Extreme Enduro? Um, I don't know. A couple years ago, if you would ask me, I would have said endurocross Cross um, had more weight for like a championship, and race-wise would probably be some of the hard Enduro events, just because... There's so many more people signing up and doing those races. I mean, like TKO, they have to limit the signups because it's just in mm-hmm. endurocross, they're trying to like beg people to go now. And I think it's just because it came too specialized or something. I don't know. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Now, I still think endurocross weight wise carries, I like, guess, a championship that carries more than the hard enduro stuff because it's not really a true AMA overall championship in the states for hard enduros. Yeah. And Wes is a fake championship. <laughs> <laughs> Does Wes not endorse by, like, FIM? or? No. It doesn't have anything, right? It's just a uh, own series. I think even, series. Like, some of the events that were FIM, FIM, is, like, we're not supporting you as an FIM event if you become part of Wes. <laughs> so, FIM is not on par, I don't think, with what Wes is doing. Except for the French one. Except for triple. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Whatever, because at the French the truffle, the truffle butter the truffle <laughs> butter yeah that race
3: it definitely looks like like great riding though yeah it looks really fun but those French are so good at that cross track I guess this year the Spaniards are too yeah the Spaniards are Or just oh, no, one no, Joseph <laughs> yeah, Joseph
4: Garcia yeah, yeah you want it yeah Joseph Garcia and Jorge Prado this year have just been killing it on the KTMs and they're yeah. both two young Spanish dudes small small but Joseph had no uh, no real game in the, uh, the Extreme Enduro stuff, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, he's, he does well for his backing. Yeah. His background. Okay. Awesome.
0: All right. Very cool. I mean,
1: thanks a lot, Alan and Cody. Yeah, No, it was a pretty good interview. They actually did it in Cody Sprinter. Um, and so I think they were stopped getting gas. So it was nice and quiet. And at the end, they got back on the road for the last six minutes or so. But really good information. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about where things are going uh, for 2020, and we'll get to that in a minute. So we put a, what was it, a, a question up on Instagram asking for cold riding tips. Um, cold weather riding tips. Yes. What do
0: you do to keep your bike running in the cold? What do you do to stay warm? You know, anything you've got that nutrition-wise, we don't care. Just Just give us something so drew's got a lot of them right here
1: yeah i've got them pulled up and and again i didn't really go through them all so some of these might be repeats and some of them might not make any sense so the first one from hunter 686 face shield for faster cold weather riding
0: boo just okay don't don't, just ride hard enduro come on
1: yeah i I don't i don't own one of those hunter i don't know one of those helmets so uh we have another one from tstac11 don't eat yellow snow
0: that's a tip I give often.
1: Yeah, That's I think one of my I think favorites. that was like rule number one when you were a kid, right? On on the yellow. So, uh, R. Francis nine two one, who I think is Ryan Francis, don't wear Under Armour on your upper body. You'll overheat and pump up.
0: That's interesting. I mean, normally if I overheat, then I sweat,
1: and then I get cold again. Well, so this is interesting. I did the Gobbler-Getter National Enduro in Alabama November 3rd, and it was cold, and I started out with an Under Armour-type compression shirt, and I pumped up so bad in the first test, Um, and luckily one of the guys I was riding with, Billy, was like, hey, I'm going to take this off, and I was still a little cold, and he's like, I think it's hurting me, and sure enough, I took it off, and could have been coincidence, but my arm pump did go away. I bet you won't wear one of those again. If it's cold, I will, (laughs) because I don't like being cold. All right, uh, our Francis 921 has another one, and this was Will and I's um, top thing that we do. Tape your levers. Yep. Uh, The metal pulls heat from your fingertips. Also, tape your foot pegs to keep them from icing up. i never Uh, heard of that. Yeah,
0: well, we don't have that much ice around here.
1: Yeah, if it's icy, I'm not riding. But, so definitely taping the levers is my number one thing
0: yeah and i've always used electrical tape but some people were saying use athletic tape i guess maybe it offers a different kind of grip but i think
1: either one works well all right so the next one we have is from jerry moan 96 jerry moan okay Uh, that's jerry moan i think oh okay yeah uh heated grips best 30 dollars you'll ever spend
0: Yeah, I I got heated grips one time, and I couldn't figure out how to wire them, so they're still in my garage.
1: Well, and and I think where Jarrett lives, it gets a little colder than where we live. He's in Pennsylvania, so luckily we don't have to go that route. See, my
0: tip over that is just warm your hands up on your exhaust pipe. I mean...
1: That's normally what we do. That's like rule number one. So, all right, Josh Toth coming in with one. Uh Uh-oh. Tape your levers, cover up vents on your hand guards.
0: Yeah, I can see where that would make a difference... Uh, Back in the day, you remember those elephant ear, moose, oh, yeah. guard deal? I think yeah. I have some of those somewhere in a box.
1: Well, Devin has let me, one. the guy who builds our trails, Devin Ferguson, he actually has some of these things, they go for like ATVs that go over your... Barkbusters busters and bars oh, yeah, and your hands like go like, like mitts. Yeah. And my problem, of course, we talk about it all the time. I tend to crash a lot. And so I can't get my hands out. You fast fall over. My, your hands are <laughs> stuck in it. so.
0: It's like you're handcuffed.
1: Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Diggity783. Latex gloves under riding gloves to keep your wind off of them. Wouldn't
0: that make your fingers pump up?
1: I think it would make them sweat. And right. I mean, I've, uh, I don't know. But we also, Will Walter, 1957, latex gloves under warm riding gloves. Keep the hands dry. Okay. So I have seen people put latex gloves over their normal riding gloves on transfer sections to keep the wind off their hands. Well, um, and, and
0: I know Fly makes some wind-resistant gloves, and 100% they make some cold-weather riding gloves. I'm sure there's some good snowmobile-type gloves yep. out there that will keep your hands warm.
1: Well, so we've got a few more. Sherco official. Sherco USA official. Uh-oh. Excuse me. Don't eat yellow snow. Oh, Yep, that's a repeat. Two votes for that one. Yep. Um, Mountain High Pipes coming in with some uh, might be an inside joke. Don't fall in the creek like Stephen Thaxton. Oh, well. I mean, that's
0: that. And Mountain High Pipes, they're about to change the game. Oh. Um, if 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 what they're talking about is coming through, um, they're, they're they're talking about releasing a pipe that is up closer to the front fender, up yep. off of the frame a bit. Um, yeah I, I can't wait to see how that goes and well
1: they, they've it, dynoed it and supposedly it doesn't lose any power and it looks to me more like a uh, what was that free, free ride. ride the free ride thank yeah. you um, their pipe alright we've got a few more Tyler Kincaid 815 might have the best idea yet go to Arizona for the winter. that's uh, <laughs> yeah just don't ride right here yeah that's a good one um, I wonder what the Hawaiians would say <laughs> they don't yeah we won't even go there they right. don't have any tips because it doesn't get cold right uh, Alex Grace, you can use your exhaust to warm your hands. Boom. And to dry your goggles. Uh never heard of, never thought about that. That's interesting. Um T Huey, Ty Huey, said when it's cold, ride slower, more technical stuff. Yes. Hard work equals staying warmer.
0: Absolutely. So get on the gnar.
1: Yeah, well, and that's what we kinda like anyway, so it right. works out. Um I think that is it for the ones that aren't repeats too many times. Good deal. I like it. Oh, well, hold on. We've got one more. Cold makes rubber less tacky. Keep your momentum going.
0: Cold makes rubber less...
1: Huh. I would think rubber harder, maybe, which equals less tacky because it's denser. Uh, You're the engineer. I don't know.
0: I, I, I don't know. Um,
1: Just let more air out.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting one because if your tire is spinning on a solid surface, it should heat up, but I wouldn't recommend going and wasting an edge, so... Who knows?
1: I'm surprised no one came in with the uh, studded tires. Because I know yeah. our, our buddies up north roll with that, which... Yeah, that, that's not a hard enduro. No. So, all right. So that wraps up our cold weather riding tips. Um. So what's next, Will? What's coming up in 2020? Now that, like you said, can't believe 19's over.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure most people know that it's there's not going to be an American hard enduro series in 2020. Um, it's switching over to uh, the AMA East and West
1: Extreme um, Off-Road Series, I think is what it's called. That is. So you'll have a AMA Extreme East um, and AMA Extreme West. So AMA EX West, or East EX and West EX.
0: East EX, West EX. Yep. Okay, and then one of those races, which is Rev Limiter, is yep. both an East and a West EX race. Yep. But on the West Coast, it'll be the second race because yep. we're starting off with King of Motos on February 8th, which, man, that's just a right around the corner. I mean, it'll be here before we know it. Month and a half. And then the Rev Limiter is actually March 28th, so um, for the East Coast guys, that'll be our first race in the East Series, although there are some other non-AMA um, yep. East or West races, so... If y'all don't know about the Groundhog, which takes place in Young Harris, Georgia, um, that is actually on March 14th. Is that right?
1: Uh, I'm showing the 15th, but it could okay. be the 14th. Well,
0: the weekend of Valentine's Day. That's unfortunate.
1: Ooh, that is unfortunate. I know, anyway. I know I will not be there because of that reason. Oh. Um, you got but, something going on? Uh It's a surprise, but not for my wife. (laughs) It's for someone's 80th birthday. Uh, okay. So, yes, I will definitely not be there. I'm glad you mentioned that. But, so, back to the, let's start off with the AMA East Extreme. The East Side, the East Schedule looks very similar to what we had last year. Yep. Starts off with the Rev Limiter. Then, we're really excited The Mad Moose is on the schedule. Heck, yeah. Um, Never been been up to Michigan. It's going to be a long drive, but really looking forward to it. Um, Then, July 4th weekend, Tough Like Roar. July 18th, Fallen Timbers, and then August 1st and 2nd, Battle of the Goats. Um, unfortunately, it's from Tough Like Roar in July all the way through TKO, it's a race every, other, every two weeks. Just and like so, last year. Yep, just like last year. Um, the only difference on the east side is Saddleback is no longer there um, because it was after TKO. We couldn't get it, They couldn't get it fit in before TKO to be part of the qualifier.
0: So, but Saddleback is coming back in September, is that right?
1: Yes, it, it looks like it's actually going to be Labor Day weekend again, and it's part of what we'll talk about when we're done here, the SEER, Southeastern Extreme Riders Series, and they've actually got nine races this year, mostly Southeast, that's probably the farthest the name. north they go, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, definitely some things changing this year with the AMA, um, the East, The Extreme East and Extreme West.
0: Let's run through the West right quick. Um, Starting with uh, King of Motos. Then we got Rev Limiter. Then we got Enduro Fest up in Reno. Last Dog Standing. And then Sticks and Stones. So that's their five race series. And then I guess it's all kind of directing traffic towards the TKO, more or less. Yep. And TKO this year being a West event, it's, it's just like a combination of like three big things
1: into one massive thing. So TKO is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. And the point I was going to make before we did the West was now the AMA East Extreme is going to have a champion, a number one plate associated with it. Uh, But
0: it's not a national number one plate. This is a featured series number one plate. And
1: I don't even know if it's regional. It may be regional. But you're going to get a number one plate (laughs) from the AMA for both the East and the West. So um, I know there's still trying to put some things together they haven't announced classes yet Um, something they're still working on Um, so we'll see stay tuned more things coming but it's a step in the right direction I think absolutely no and then tennis the TKO is still the grand extreme off-road grand championship there you go so but that's it that's the biggest news we are again uh, not involved directly at this moment maybe things will move that way time will tell
0: yeah, in one other, there was one other race, April third, the Iowan Hard Enduro in Spragueville, Iowa. I know those guys had gotten in touch with me, and they were like, "Hey, Iowa's got hard enduro, so um, you know, we'll see." I've never I've never even heard of that one, but that's good. They're just popping up all over the place now.
1: Absolutely. So back to the, we'll talk a little bit about the Sear race, and uh, if you guys want more information, you can go to the Sear Facebook page, S E E R. Southeast Extreme Riders Association, um, and they've really expanded um, again to nine races this year. So, if and, you're in the southeast, or you know, hey, want to fill in the gaps with some other hard enduros,
0: and I was, we're just wondering, is there anything like this out west? Do they have a yeah. small series somewhere that, you know, the National Enduro Series? Yeah, it, it's the it's the big guy on the enduro scene, but there's Citra and there's. You know the Roar series on the East Coast. There's there's four or five just enduro series on the East Coast, and I'm sure there's dozens more spread across the country, Texas, California,
1: and so, it's just we don't know because we're East Coast, and that's what we talk so about. So there the most. have
0: to be some hard enduro races out there that we just don't know about yet. So share that with us. We'd be glad to keep shed you know yep. spreading the word
1: about it. Well, and one thing we are focusing for twenty twenty is uh, again we mentioned Alan Butler's helping us with the website. We're really trying to vamp up the website, make it the go to place for hard and throw. Revamp, ramp, ramp, vamp and revamp. I like it. All right, we're we're vamping up <laughs> the. We're trying to improve our website this year and make it more user friendly. Number one, and uh, somewhere you want to go to get all your news.
0: Yeah. Let's let's make that happen.
1: Yeah. So, what's going on with uh, you for the next two weeks, Will? Where are you going to be?
0: Oh man, we're about to embark on a um, journey um, out to Colorado. We are pulling a little twenty foot uh, tow behind RV, and we're going to spend a few weeks in Colorado with my sister and my dad and um, my two kids, six and ten years old, and um, you know, hopefully get some snowboarding in. And we're actually taking mountain bikes. So, um, if nothing else, Bryson and I are going to get to hit up the trails in Bentonville, Arkansas on the way back. Um, it's kind of the plan. Um, but who knows? Maybe if we get some riding in around Denver, if the snow's not too deep.
1: Well, that'd be good. I know I'm looking forward to doing some dirt bike riding. I haven't ridden in I know it's nine, nine days and, uh, and it's 70 degrees here right now, but this whole work thing's getting in the way and I will say the holidays. So it's good to have a little downtime to make you, uh. Want to get back out there and hit it.
0: It's seventy right now. I think it's supposed to be in the forties tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be snowing at some point. So who knows? Um, tis the season. But well, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And uh, heck yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. And I guess we'll see you next year.
0: Yep. See you in twenty twenty. Hopefully we'll be coming strong with a podcast sometime in January.
1: Absolutely. Or February. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas.